Father God, we thank you for allowing us to need you. Lord, help us to be a people that are humble enough to admit that you are God and we are not and that we need you. Be with us today. Make your words be heard louder than anything else this morning. Let us not leave here the same as how we arrived. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in our Epiphany series, and it is entitled New Year, Same Promises. And we've been looking at these promises of God that are rock steady, that we see throughout Scripture the things that are constant are these these promises that God continues to give to us, regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what you see on the news, regardless of who's in power. These promises are the same. And they hold fast no matter what's going on amongst us. Today, we are going to talk about a promise that, um, well, that we don't like to talk about because it means work. But there's this promise of ministry throughout Scripture. And what that means is that there's a promise of something you can always do. There's always work to be done. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. Throughout Matthew's gospel, he refers to the kingdom of heaven. And as he refers to the kingdom of heaven, he's not referring to heaven like we think of it as a destination that we go to one day. When Matthew says the kingdom of heaven, he is calling on the people that are following Jesus to bring heaven to earth. And so when Matthew says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, what he is saying is, we're going to do this. And it's getting close. It's getting close to the time that we are going to act. There's also something that is referred to a lot in the New Testament because they were fishermen, and this idea of fishing. And this is, this is the first time that um, I, I've put together uh, a message that had to do with fishing, um, well, since we lost Tim, and it was a rough week because <laughs> every time I, thought, I read about fishing, all I could think about was the time out on the canoe in his boat on Spooner Lake fishing. And as planes flew overhead, he would say, where do you think they're going? And then another plane would fly overhead, he'd go, where do you think they're going? And I finally said, Tim, I don't know. (laughs) No idea where they're going. I think they're going to San Diego. Tim, they're going east. I don't don't think so. I mean, that's the big turn already happened. But I started thinking about that, and I started to think about how careful and how precise fishermen are. I mean, have you ever walked in to Sportsman's Warehouse? Right when you walk in the doors, they open up and you look to your right or your left, and there's this board up there that talks about what lakes are active, what, how high they are, if they're biting, what fish are biting, what bait to use. And, and fishermen have this, like, knowledge of what they want to use. Well, Tim used a lure called the Super Duper. This was his bread and butter. And I remember the first time... We went up to Hobart Lake. Hobart is artificial lures only, one hook, barbless. And so you had, I, I don't, I, I like to use power bit because I'm lazy. I like to just throw the line in there and then read a book. And maybe a fish bites or not. I don't know, I call it reading, not fishing. But he, he had this super duper lure and he was so excited to show me this super duper lure. 
And he casts it out and he reels it in and casts it out and reels it in, casts it out and reels it in. We didn't catch any fish that day. But he swore, he would also, he'd also remind me as we left that day that it's called fishing, not catching. So, but he swore by this super duper lure. In fact, he had his friends from Maine send him out super duper lures because he couldn't find him here. Just for the record, Sportsman does carry them now. And I'm pretty sure it's because of Tim. So if you want to go buy one, you can. They're so precise. So much so that when you walk up to another fisherman or you're on a river in a lake, one of the first questions you ask is, are they biting? What are you using? And sometimes they're like, I ain't telling you. This is my lake. You want to catch fish, you find out. So then you've got your binoculars and you're looking. Oh, that's green power bait. They're so precise on what they use to catch where they go. Different things work at different places. But the one thing that is consistent is that they know what they're going to use, and they know where to do it. We had this guy in the Chico church. His name was Keith. This guy, he must have been able to see trout, like through depth water. Because we would go up to Deer Creek, and he would go right here, fish right here, fish right here. And I'm not even kidding. I'd throw a line in, and within 35 seconds, I've got fish. And then he'd say, okay, you're done here. Come on, come on, come on. Do it right there, right there, right there. And I'd catch fish. The, the guy knew exactly where to look, and he knew when it was time to move on. Now, some fishermen, like me, I don't care when it's time to move on, because really all I'm there to do is read a book. I'm not joking. I want to throw my line out in a I don't. That's why I don't like fishing in a river, because it's too much work. You've got to reel your line in, throw it back in, reel your line in. I want to be able to throw my line in and then just hang out. I don't even care if there's fish. It's just an excuse to read. Fishermen have this strange ability to not just know where to go, but how to pursue what they're after. The problem is, when you're a fisherman like me, you relate more to the psalm this morning. Psalm 27. This is what Psalm 27 says. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then verse 4 says, one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice and shouts with joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call. Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says you. Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me. Do not forsake me. This is the fisherman that sits by the lake and just tosses a line in and just waits for it to move. I, I want to be part of a movement that says I just get to sit in the presence of God. I just get to be in his temple. I, I, I just get to have his, my enemies. He will pick me up and set me on a rock. 
All of these great illustrations from the psalmist. David is painting this amazing picture of the safety and the security and the easiness of what it is to follow Jesus. Except we also have Matthew this week. <laughs> and, and, and Matthew kind of paints a different picture of what it looks like to be the kingdom of heaven. The people of Jesus. The people that follow God. And in Matthew, the picture is much different. We have Jesus has left his hometown and he's moved to Capernaum. And, and he is walking the shores. He's preaching in the synagogues. He's, he's doing his teaching. He's, he's doing everything he needs to do. And we have this moment in chapter 4, verse 12. We'll start in 18. Where Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. And it says, as Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. It'd be weird if they weren't, right? If he didn't put that part in, they were throwing nets in the lake. I don't know why. Because they were fishermen. He says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to, be fish, to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. There's this idea that, yes, we get to sit in the presence of God in his holy temple and he will protect us from our enemies. That, that, that we get to just bask in his presence. Some of the songs we sing, blessed be your name, it is a song that we just get to relish in the fact that God is God and we get to just be part of this. That, that, that it, is, it is bigger than us and you know what? He's got it. He's got everything under control, which I would love to declare as true because it is. But there's this other part where Jesus says, Okay, now that you're in the temple, now that you are safe, come and follow me. Come and be a part of something. Come and do something. Let, let, let me give you a real practical illustration of this. If you ever float on an airplane, you have somebody that stands up and for some reason has to act out how to use the flotation device. You ever wonder why the airplane doesn't become a boat? Like, wh why does my seat float? Like, I want, I want someone to design an airplane that when it hits water, it just becomes a boat. That sounds way better. But they act all this stuff out. And the first thing they say to you is, in case of cabin pressure change, you put your mask on and then help the person next to you. I'll never forget the first couple times hearing that. I thought, that is so selfish. Like, I'm going to take care of number one. You hold your breath until I'm ready for you. But when you think about that, the importance of that, you cannot help anyone if you can't breathe. So you first have to secure your oxygen before you can help somebody else. And so there's this moment where you are securing your oxygen. You are basking in the temple. You are in the presence of God. You are at the lake just throwing your line in. But then what happens when somebody comes up and you've got to now do something? You have put your oxygen on so that you can do something. Now, Jesus has walked along the shore and says, hey, come follow me. You're good. You got your oxygen on? There are people that can't breathe right now that we need to go fix. We need to go give them oxygen. We need to get them breathing again. They, 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 they don't even know because they're oxygen deprived and they're all dizzy and weird. They, 
they, they need. They need this message. They need this hope. They need this oxygen in our world. And so we get caught up in this idea that it's so important for us to gather on a Sunday. And I, 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 it is. It's very important for us to gather on a Sunday. But that's not the end. We gather in the temple. We, we come together and we be part of this. And, 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 and it's awesome. But when does Jesus come up and say, come follow me? And when do we have the opportunity to drop our nets immediately? The Greek word there is, is like 14 exclamation marks. They, they just did it. There, there was no hesitation. Can you, can you imagine being part of something like that? I, I think about like Lois and, Lois and Clark. Not a Superman reference. Lewis and Clark. I think of people like that being those kind of people. That one day Clark just looked at him and goes, hey, want to go on an adventure? And Lewis is like, yeah, let's do it. And they just go. We have a running joke in our family. I don't think any of you have ever met Karen's dad. But when he was alive, he was a doer. You, you could say to him, hey, Pop Martin, I think your truck looks dirty. And he would disappear immediately, come out in swim trunks. What are you doing? I'm going to wash my truck. Ellis, we, we always say that Ellis has a little Pop Martin in him. Because if you suggest anything in his presence, he's gone to do it. There's no hesitation. That's how I feel that Peter and, and James and John and Andrew, all these, they just immediately drop their nets and begin to follow. What would it look like for us to drop our nets and follow? I'm going to get real, just real, real, real. We have been sitting for a year in the temple. And I'm just going to say, I got comfortable. I got comfortable with this. We didn't have to invite people to church anymore because we were full. We, we, got, we got comfortable with sharing the gospel to people because you know what my fear was? First of all, let me just, I'll just be real honest with you. It, it's the most awkward thing in the world to invite people to come hear me preach. Like, there, there's just a mental block that I have sometimes. So what I always do is, man, our music is awesome. Hoping that Ben says, man, the preaching is awesome. Because Ben also doesn't want to be like, hey, you should come hear the music. I do awesome. It, it, it's this weird thing. But, but I'll tell you, I just got real lazy in telling people about a place where they can come be a family member because we never knew if we were going to have a seat on a Sunday. There were several Sundays where people left because it was too crowded. Because when we were in that room, it was crowded. I need to remind you, we're not in that room anymore. And I need, I, I need you to hear this that we are called to go out and call. When Jesus says, come follow me, he says it so that we go and do what he did. He's walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he says, hey, you, you're fishermen, come, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of people. I, I'm going to change what you're fishing for. Now, if you're a fisherman, or if you've done any fishing at all, you know it's not that simple. Because what bass eat is different from what trout eat. You can't go trout fishing with a giant frog lure. Just like if you take power bait to go bass fishing, you're not going to do very well. So Jesus is not just calling these people to change what they're fishing for. He's calling them to change everything that they do. I am going to make you fishers of men. 
Now, where we live, we don't always have the opportunity to go fishing the way that they did. First century Palestine, there were not people on a boat with a fishing pole and a hook on the end, throwing it out, hoping to catch something. They dropped nets. Now, to me, that just sounds better. When, when you think about a net and, and the, 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 the things that come to mind when you're thinking about what happens with a net, for me, a net is what's beneath a trapeze. A net is something that catches something when it falls. There was a few, well, uh, about a month ago, maybe two months ago, there was a bat in our kitchen. Not a baseball bat, like a real bat. And I didn't invite it in, so that's a myth. This bat was, our cat had brought a bat in, and it was still alive. So the cat was flying around, or the cat. The, <laughs> we have a very special cat. The bat was flying around in the kitchen, banging into walls, into windows. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I had two thoughts in my mind. First, I'm going to hit it with something, like a pan, and kill this bat. But then I thought better of that because I know it would have happened. I would have hit the window, and the bat would have gotten out, but um, we would have a broken window. So I walked out to the garage and grabbed my fishing net. And I'm chasing this bat around our kitchen. Emma and Ellis think it's hilarious. First of all, they're terrified we're all going to get rabies. And I, I swipe, and I catch this bat. So then we take it outside, and they're, at this point, they are hooked. They're, they want to see what's going to happen with this bat. So... I try to let the bat go, but the bat is completely tangled in the net. I mean, it, it has kept flapping and squirming, and so now it's just a knot of bat in this fishing net. I finally get the bat free, and I left the garage open. So the bat gets free of the net and flies directly into our garage and roosts up in the top. I don't think it's still there. I don't know. But had I hit it with a pan, it would not be there. But there's something about rescue and a net. And here's, as I was thinking about this illustration, as I was going into this, I was thinking about how, how, how intricate a net is that a bat could get tangled in it. And, and there's something about being tangled that, that, that brings up this idea that if we struggle and, and if we fight, then we just get tangled up. But isn't there something amazing about the church? That when we're struggling and when we're hurting, shouldn't the church be a net that we get tangled up in? Not because we can't leave, but because it is so safe. But because it is such a place that we can just be part of. They didn't fish with hooks. They fished with a net. We used to have this place when I was growing up. We called it the wall. It was basically a ditch that had sides on both sides. We'd take our bikes down there, we'd ride down the ditch, we'd jump out the other end. Well, there was one week that it was the coolest thing in the world as a kid to see. This guy brought his dirt bike down. And he would go and he would just plow into this ditch and come out the other side of the ravine and just jump so high. It probably wasn't that high, but I was like 10, so it was super high. It was like arena cross in my own backyard. And this guy would just jump, and he would, and I remember one time, he came barreling through, and he jumped up, and you could just tell, like, he was not going to land this. He was straight up and down. He lets go of his motorcycle, and, and I just remember thinking to myself, oh, 
who has a net? Nobody did. But I think to myself, like, how, like, this, this person, more than anything, needs a net because he's falling, and when he hits the ground, he's going to really be hurt. And he was. He was all busted up. But we have this illustration of we get to be fishers of people, and we are equipped with a net. The net is this place. Because in this place, the gospel, the good news, will be preached. In this place, if you get tangled up, we're, you're going to be tangled up with us. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you are safe and that you feel safe. So much so that even if you untangle, our hope is that you fly into the garage. He didn't even, the bat didn't leave. The bat stayed. And, and we, we, we want so badly to be fishing in a way where Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, so that we are scooping up with this net because we believe that the gospel of Jesus is safe. We believe that it provides safety. We believe that it provides hope. So what we need to do, what I feel like I need to do, because I need to do this myself, and we talk about it at staff meeting, is we need to, have, we need to give ourselves permission and remind ourselves why we came here a year ago. Why did we buy this building? What brought us to this location? As you leave here today, I want you to be reminded of why we came here. I, I remember for years sitting in a building wishing we were in a neighborhood, wishing we had neighbors, and using it as an excuse to not have to go out and bring people in, to not have to go out and invite, and invite people into this relationship with Jesus. I'm not even talking about re- inviting people in here, but sometimes that... That's a little easier for most of us is to invite them here to hear a message. But I remember thinking, gosh, if only we had neighbors, we could do so much. We have neighbors. We are surrounded by homes. We are surrounded by apartments. We are surrounded by people that need a net so desperately bad. We are surrounded by people that have no idea that as soon as they jump off of that thing, they are going to fall. And it's going to be a long way down. And if they hit the ground, it's going to hurt. And it's going to do some major damage. We have an opportunity to be that net. To catch those people that are following. Whether it be figuratively or literally. What would it look like if our neighbors knew that in the middle of divorce, there was a safe place to come? In the middle of heartbreak, there was a place they could come and mourn, and people will mourn with them, and they would be comforted by the very presence of God. What would it look like if that net was cast over our neighborhood in such a way that we were the ones that said, please, just be here for a while? Because that's what Jesus calls us to. It's a lot of fun to fish in a lake and do what you want to do. But you have to be invested when you're in a river. You have to watch the willows. You can't just cast. You have to watch the rocks. You have to pay attention. You have to be active. See, we have this, this fallacy in the church that, that God somehow, we, we, we just we keep searching for him. There's a song that we used to sing here, and I'm so glad we don't anymore. The song was, I found Jesus. I found Jesus. No, you didn't. Jesus was never missing. 
Jesus found you. The reason why we are called to do ministry is because he has found us. Now he has called us to come and to go, to be fishers of people. We need to get back in that mindset of saying, listen, there's a place that no matter where you are or who you are, you can come on Sunday. You can sit in the back if you want to. You, you know what? You can come in and grab a donut and some coffee and stay in there and listen because you're a little sketchy about it. But just come. Come and see. Come and feel. Come and be a part of what's going on. There is a great promise of ministry that all of us have been called to participate in. Whether that be you're the inviter or you're the one that gives the best hugs at the door. And as an introvert, let me tell you, nothing scares me more than when someone comes at me to hug me. Now I feel bad because Gabby's going, I, I hugged her this morning. <laughs> there, there's, nothing, there's nothing scarier than when a stranger comes up and is like, hey, welcome to church. But you know what else I know? There's also nothing better to reflect on than feeling loved someplace. Some of you are going to be great evangelists, and you're going to be the great inviters. You're going to be ones that can start up a conversation with anybody and say, you should come on Sunday, 10 o'clock. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We're, we're starting up small groups again, and so you, you can invite them to those things. We're going to have a midweek one and probably a Sunday morning one, and we're getting excited about doing all this stuff, but you can invite them to those things. Because here's the deal. No one's driving by on Fifth Street going, that place looks neat. Maybe I'll get up early on Sunday and go there. Because I'll just tell you, a couple weeks ago, when we were gone, we went to breakfast on a Sunday morning. Restaurant was full. It was on a wait, actually. There are people that need that net. So some of you will be that that goes out and you're like, everywhere you go, you just want to tell people because the carpet squares are that great. Some of you are like, there is no way I'm talking to people. And that's the end. That's all you say. But you're going to be the ones that are making sure the coffee's ready, the bathrooms are clean, that people walk in and go, this place, it looks like an armpit from the outside, but it's kind of nice in here. That doesn't just happen. There, there are literally people that are loving the little ones right now in the back there are people that come down here and that clean every week. There are people that make sure things get done. And that can be what you're doing to make sure that this place becomes that net, that safe place. Some of you love to hug. I, I don't know. You need to be, like, analyzed. But we need you. We, we need you. Like, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't this be awesome? He, this is just my own vision, and it goes against everything that I believe. What if someone was greeted four times before they even came into our building? I mean, how, how great would that be? What if we were a place that no one, they could say a lot about us, but they're not going to say we weren't welcoming. Somebody might not come back because we were too welcoming. I'm okay with that because you know what's going to happen? Sometime they're going to need someone. And they're going to go, you know what, that place, they were a little friendly and it freaked me out. But I need someone right now. And they're going to come in. I feel like this morning, 
with the way these scriptures lined up, it was my opportunity to say this. You did not seek God. God sought you. And as a response for that, we must go out and seek. We must find the perfect fishing hole. So this is me giving you permission. There's plenty of room. We're not going to fill up next Sunday. Some of you are going, yeah? Prove it. Go ahead, prove me wrong. I'll be okay with that too. But I want to give you permission to go out and remind people that we are here and that we want to love them. We want to journey with them. We want to weep with them. We want to pray with them. We want to share life with them. This week, if you hear somebody just moved here, man, maybe our first response should be like, do you have a church? You know the worst case scenario? They could say no. Or they could say yes, and that's good. But they're probably not going to milkshake you. Brad, you know what that is? Someone throws a milkshake at you? It probably won't happen. Now that I've said it, worst case scenario, they're going to say, I don't go to church. And you're going to say, okay. That doesn't seem so bad. Because remember, it's called fishing, not catching. And we're going to continue to cast. Even better, we're going to continue to throw our net. And you're going to catch someone that needed a net so very badly. And they're not going to hit the ground because you took the time to say, hey, my life is different because of Jesus. And there's a place that I want to invite you to that you're going to hear about him. You are called just as much as those four disciples to go be fishers of people. Let's go and be fishers of people. The band's going to come up. Pastor Jess going to come up and introduce these connecting time stations. Maybe, maybe as you go into this connecting time today, maybe you go into it with the question of, okay, God, who? Who? Maybe, like for me, I need to go into this time and actually with a, with a spirit of repentance of just getting complacent and not having to worry about it anymore. Maybe, maybe you just need to ask God exactly how you need to respond this morning. Maybe you just need to be open for that.